you know, just be graceful. Just understand that, you know, we're going to get through this together. We're going to stumble along the way. We're going to learn from those times when we stumble, but we're going to get better as a result of it. We're going to build that resiliency. We're going to build that mental toughness. And once we do get to the other side, and we will get to the other side, that we'll all be better for it. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. All right, we're live, we're having Well done with that technology. I know it's kind of a pain in the rear end sometimes when we have to link over to this and set something new up, but uh, we're happening. And welcome to the decision table, Laurie. Thank you. So good to have you here. These uh, conversations that I'm having every day this month is to really, I don't know, I had a lot of people who said to me at the end of last year, I can't wait for the year to finish. I can't wait for it to finish. And it kind of got to me because I was like, okay, so what are you going to do different yeah. to make the new year different, right? And, I, and so then, of course, not only do I ask that question to, you know, everyone else, I go, what am I going to do different? And so I thought one of the things I can do different is have a different conversation with an awesome human every single day. Love and that. at the moment I'm writing this white paper on and you'll love this, on what I believe is the need for a new approach to leadership. Yes. And so really using that lens as we talk mm-hmm. to how can that look, what does that look like? And you you and I just spoke before and yeah. you began a conversation. I said, oh, let's bring that into the decision table because mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. And, and it was around change, knowing that we do need a change, right? And it's so different last year mm-hmm. and even what we were looking at how it looks for us personally together as well in you know as as what we are looking at doing but then also the world is kind of having to re recalibrate yes. recalibrate to yeah. what that looks like for the world as well right yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I reckon that's a good spot for us to start on today. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, look, last year was difficult for everyone. Nothing went as according to plan. You know, COVID-19 took us all by huge surprise. Many businesses were closed. Schools were closed. Everyone was forced to be home. That was a huge, huge change. And, you know, oftentimes change is something that we choose. And other times change is something that we don't choose. And I think we found our entire world in a position where we were not choosing this change. But, you know, it's it's so much about how you decide you're going to deal with that change. And, you know, you can go into it with a negative attitude and be angry that you're stuck at home and be angry that you can't go to the office. Or you can choose, like, like we have done, to you know, see the good in, in that change. It has really, from a professional standpoint, caused me to rethink the way that I do things in my business. 
Um, You know, I work in government affairs and lobbying. So much of that is done, you know, almost all of that is done in person. It's it's interpersonal relationships, being in the room when decisions are being made. And when there's no room to be in, how do you deal with that? How do you shift and how do you adjust to that change? Mm. You know, we talk about, you know, what does leadership look like now? You know, I think that it's really causing so many people, myself included, to figure that out. Is leadership, I'm finding some of the elected officials that I'm dealing with, I'm finding leadership in them being creative and finding ways to make themselves available to us, making mm. themselves available virtually for conversations and meetings, you know, taking something that used to be a, you know, three minute conversation in a hallway at the state house turns into a 30 minute or a 45 minute zoom conversation. And wow. you know, that's wonderful. I love that. I get that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not all of this change is bad. It's just different. And I have a sincere appreciation for these leaders who are choosing to really be very deliberate in the way that they are making themselves available. Very deliberate in the way they're making themselves available. It's been good. Yeah. So part of that new change is how as a leader, can we be more available? Mm -hmm. But we have to be careful too, because I think when there's that other side of it, when we're more available, I mean, I don't know how they're feeling, but I think burnout was really real last year. You know, Mm -hmm. being more available means those three minutes turn into 30 minutes. That's hard to balance. Right. So how do we be more available yet make sure and ensure that we can do this to keep it going in the long term and be sustainable with it? Yeah. I mean, this isn't going to last forever, right? So Mm. I think that... Isn't it? It feels like it is. It sure feels like it is. But, (laughs) you know, we're going into a really busy time for our legislative delegation, a time when I would be spending um, the majority of my days in the state house and meetings and committee meetings and in mm. session meetings. And, you know, what will that look like this year? I don't know. And so right. I'm trying to also coach my clients to understand that we also all have to be incredibly prepared to communicate very, very clearly because mm. we have to do things differently right now. We have to do things differently right now. And everyone's having to do things differently right now. So how do you rise above the noise? How do you make sure your message is heard? Mm. So how are you doing that? Oh, gosh. Well, I've been doing a lot of virtual briefings for people, which is a great opportunity to get my clients, the subject matter experts in front of legislators for a longer period of time. You know, certainly we do that and would take them with us to meetings, but to have this opportunity to really dive a little deeper is fantastic. And I think that that's a real benefit. And, and, you know, folks who maybe weren't able to join the briefing, being able to share that information as a follow-up so that they're getting it, I think that's a really fantastic way 
of doing things, you know, building relationships is so much of what I do in my business. And so really just trying to find a balance of people who are comfortable meeting in person, people who would rather do so virtually, going to them in their districts versus, you know, just waiting to to meet them in other places. It's it's really just about being flexible and being able to pivot and going to going to where people are comfortable and understanding that everyone's in a different place. Everyone has a different feeling about this. So some people are are comfortable meeting in person. Other people are not at all comfortable meeting in person. So how do you, you need to be respectful of everyone and where they're at and figure out how, how you're going to get done what you need to get done in a way that is comfortable for everyone and safe. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, there's a few things that you're saying there around respect and connection. These have come up on a few conversations on here on the decision table. And with that, I find it interesting because if we look at the challenges across the world right now, a lot of that is bringing division. It's not bringing connection. It's definitely not bringing respect. So in a lot of ways, the gap is actually widening in many respects, you know, to do with this. How do we narrow that? And you, you talk about things like relationships is so important. In other words, relationships are extremely important and we need to have people at the table that are not maybe looking like us sounding like us and be okay with that and to to work from that Mm -hmm. and yet in a lot of ways that's becoming harder and harder it is it is you know I hate that we're in this place especially here in the U.S. with what has transpired over the last few weeks with yeah. the forming of the Capitol and, and you know, unacceptance of the election. And of course, we had the inauguration yesterday. You know, it's it saddens me to to see this growing division between I don't I, I don't even have, you know, people to point to. I think it's it's mm. it's a really sad time, I think, for our country. I think it's confusing for a lot of people. I know a lot of people that I have conversations with, it's you almost get in a position where you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do. You know, you want to be part of the solution, but you don't want to create problems in doing so. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I do the wrong thing? So then you don't say anything, which is also not the right thing. So, you know, it's, um, Mm -hmm. it's really difficult where it's such a volatile point in our country right now that I just pray that we can get to a place where we can have meaningful, non-judgmental conversations with because I know so many people who want to be part of the solution, Mm -hmm. but I think that they don't know what their role will be and they don't know how to they don't know how to do it yeah it's one of the reasons I'm having these conversations because it is this kind of conversation that we've got to start having and there are like you said there are others that want to have this Mm -hmm. so how do we do that in a bigger way how can we get some of these conversations happening more because I think it does start with us having a different conversation and having different people at the table 
and then it's but it's got to be no judgment and that's what I love about the decision table I always say to any awesome human that comes and bees a part of the decision table there's no judgment at this table there's mm. no right or wrong to what we're saying here mm. I'm curious I think we have to have a conversation that's curious like with lots of curiosity where we are not saying that we know it all not yeah. saying that even we know what questions to ask necessarily right at this moment because like you've already addressed it's this forever changing and so we have to evolve as it evolves right this world and and that's the thing we want to evolve forward not backwards yeah. <laughs> right yeah absolutely um, I feel like we've been going backwards honestly I mean Oh, that gap is widening rather than narrowing. It right is. Now. It is. In many, many cases. Yeah. I don't know why. You know, I'm always the one who wants to understand the root cause for things so that we know where. If you are speculating, if you are specula speculating, yeah. I think I think that the division, there's, there's conversation that we could have around why is division happening? I think because people are wanting to have a voice mm -hmm. and maybe they're a voice of a tribe or a. And when I mean tribe, it might be a community of people. It might be that have wanted to have a voice before but have never had a voice. And so we're almost all screaming all these different voices. Yeah. Yeah. And even within what I've found within those communities often that those voices are disagreeing within the community, let alone then yeah. that community coming out as a voice. So there's even division within you know, that the people that are, are trying to have a voice, you know, like I've got, you know, this beautiful friend who is hard of, you know, well, she's deaf. And so it's like, well, she wants to have a voice, but it's so noisy and she's got to have a voice in a very noisy world where she's trying to go, hey, I want to hear, I want to be a part of this conversation, but mm -hmm. but you're not even putting words on screens right now mm -hmm. and everything is on screens. Yeah, everything's um, on screens. Yeah. So there's, there's people that miss out mm -hmm. and so their voice is getting even less heard Absolutely. because they're not being included into being even at the table to be a part of the conversation that maybe we don't even know or are aware of that that's even an issue. And I think that's bringing more division too. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you and I talk so much about the need for diverse voices around the table. And, and, but truly, because I think there are some people who will say they want diverse voices around the table, but they really don't. They really yeah. only want the certain sector of what they believe to be diverse voices around the table. I experience that a lot when people say, you know, they want racial diversity, they want gender diversity, they want, uh, you know, all of the, the, the kind of top of mind diversity issues, but they don't necessarily want political diversity. They don't want necessarily want disability and ability in their diversity. They don't necessarily want age in their diversity. So, yes. You know, I think that if we want to talk about everyone having a voice at the table, we need to really be inclusive in ensuring that everyone has a voice at the table. Because if you're not, then you really don't want all those voices there. In a, in a perfect world, we've got all those voices at the table. Mm -hmm. The next piece is, and I think this is interesting too, is, okay, we've got this awareness because we're having a different conversation. How do we own a piece of that? Like, what do we do with that? 
That's a tricky question. I mean, isn't it? Isn't it? Because like, what do we do with it? Yeah. Yeah. Now that we've got a conversation, Mm -hmm. now that we're bringing that together, Mm -hmm. how do we own that as a collective? Mm -hmm. Because I think this is the other side of it. I think we have to get past all these individual leaders that are just these isolated islands trying to do their own. And it's not bad. Like Mm -hmm. maybe they are bringing some good change to a community of their own, you know, sphere of influence. But the collective is going to be the place of collaborative change is only going to be within the collective. Like I really believe that. And we've got to, again, come from where it's been divided and all these little islands to joining mm-hmm. together and going, that's not saying, by the way, one government, one everything. I'm yeah. not yeah. for a disclaimer on this decision table. <laughs> in case someone decided to interpret Marie is all for that. I'm not. Uh, but what I am for is this this ecosystem where it is all about collaboration. And I don't know that there's great examples of this. There is, and I don't know that we know even know how to begin to do this. Sometimes, you know. And I think that's that's an issue. It it is an issue, and I think that. Even when you think that you are there in this beautiful ecosystem of collaboration, yeah, there will always be improvement that can be made. And, you know, I think it's it's finding those individuals who have the ability to have these conversations with this collaborative group mm. in respectful ways. So that good comes from it because, you know, it can be very dangerous sometimes to get so many different exactly minds around a table. And, you know, sometimes more harm can come from, from things than good, unfortunately. Mm. So I think it's, it's, it's hard. It is. It's hard to find those people who who have a genuine desire for collaboration because here's the thing it's hard but it's not impossible because you and I are two examples of that yeah agreed right so it's not impossible yes it's hard it's not impossible agreed so how do we bring more respect to the table yeah how do we, as as a new approach to leadership, yeah. how as leaders can we be more respectful of other leaders? Yeah. You know, I think that at least here in the U.S. and what we have seen mm. in the last two months, three months, has been very disappointing from many, many, many different people. Of course. Not respecting a process, not respecting an outcome. Mm not respecting each other, not respecting other points of view. It's just so divisive, so, so divisive. And, you know, I am hopeful that we have opportunity to do better. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's hard when, you know, I I always say this because, you know, we've got a pretty clear political party system here in Mm -hmm. in the United States. And but it's the extremists on both sides that make things bad for everyone else. Mm-hmm. And until people can accept 
that the extremists are not the norm. Mm. No, it's going to be really difficult. It's going to be really difficult. It's like this small group of people on both sides that scream the loudest and, you know, create violence and engage in unlawful activity and all those things on both sides that, that, and I'm not saying that, that in some instances, you know, that they shouldn't be angry, that they shouldn't be screaming. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I think it's the extremism that gets us in these positions. It's interesting. You say the, you know, the system, trusting and respecting the system and the processes and things like that. And I think of leadership and and I go, are we trusting us an old system that's not actually working with us forever, adapting and changing environment? Is it moving with it enough? You know, I question that now. Like when you bring that up, I go, well, maybe part of the reason there's noise is there was very much a, I mean, you think about it, right? We're talking a lot around Mm -hmm. having, you know, different distinctions at the table. Well, you know, if we just use a gender conversation, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And we do often in this one, we know who is at that table in general or has been and the systems that were created that actually Mm -hmm. meant that it was very difficult for more females to be at that table. Yeah, sure. Right? Absolutely. Prime prime example. And so there's reason to sometimes why there's uproar in that way, right? Absolutely. And I I go, well, well, there's so much that's in concrete almost Mm -hmm. that is really immovable Mm -hmm. because we've done it so long this way, yet... So many of us are saying, hey, we've got to change. We've got to evolve. We've got to. So how does it, how do we do that? Like in. in... Well, no, I agree with you completely. When I, when I speak about trusting the systems, it's trusting our electoral systems. It's trusting, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, that have tons of checks and balances that mean to say everything's perfect. No, of course not. But when it comes to those types of systems, I think yeah. you have to have have some trust there. Absolutely. Do I think other systems need to be challenged? Of course. Mm. Other mindsets need to be challenged. Of course. I mean, just like, you know, businesses are always evolving and recasting and and reworking their visions. You know, I think more, more organizations and people need to do that too. We need to be evolving with what's going on around us. We need to be evolving Mm -hmm. with you know, what are we lacking? Where are the gaps? Why is this huge gap happening? How can we be a part of the solution? You know, it's really interesting to me to see how it's just so much, there's so much division, more than I have seen in my lifetime. Certainly, I think before my lifetime, there was there was more, but, you know, I just don't understand, I guess, why the pendulum is swinging this direction. Mm-hmm. And that's what's frustrating. And it's just because maybe we're so used to being conditioned by systems and processes, and yeah. you know, like I, like I mean, let's let's go there. Like you know, the whole vaccine thing. You know, whether you choose to have a vaccine or not, like that's an individual choice. Mm-hmm. Yet in many cases, it's not becoming an individual choice; it's a forced choice. Yeah. And, you know, I often wonder here in Australia, we've managed to 
keep those numbers right down because we've done a lot of isolating uh-huh. and we can do that because we're kind of an isolated country mm-hmm. that it's actually just those that are coming from our outside mm-hmm. that t- are tending to bring it into our country now yeah. here's the thing I've had it and it's a hideous thing and I don't want anyone to have it I've got a you know I've got Ethan in my house who yeah. you know is a vulnerable human being and I never want him to experience it but in the same way, so a vaccine in his world would be a, a massive vulnerability because he reacts and yeah. myself included, if I put strange things in my body, yeah. I, so, and yet if I want to travel or if I want to do some of these other, and, and who knows what other restrictions they put on it, that it just becomes compulsory. Yeah. Where is our choice as a human coming yeah. out of that? Like, yeah, I, and, I and, and how easily? Are we just accepting, well, this is our new norm? And I think those are the questions that I'm really bringing up right now because I even have done that with people here in Australia. I'm like, have you really truly questioned which vaccines are bringing in, what that's Mm -hmm. to do? Long term, none of us know what that means. Mm -hmm. You know, interesting, I was talking to Zimbabwe, you know, Juliet in Zimbabwe, and, you know, she was on the decision table and we were talking about, you know, like I, I have once a month, a, I do an incubator with her so that, you know, helping her work on her stuff. And, you know, it came up in that conversation how Zimbabwe have used and are using during this time a deworming medication, right? That is, a, well, it's it was it was created, I think, something like 70 plus years ago for animals and deworming animals. Here's the thing. I know Zimbabwe and Brazil have used this because they don't have access to a lot of the things that we have. They've had a lot of people dying. They've had a lot of issues. It's huge there, right? And they've started and saw, and Brazil did the same thing. They decided to do it, and that curve began to drop massively because of it. But here's the thing. It's before it becomes an issue in you. Once it starts multiplying, you've got no control, and this does not. But this is a thing that has been in place Mm -hmm. for 70 plus years, not a new vaccine, not something that someone's creating, Mm -hmm. that we have no idea what the long-term effects are. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting how culturally our our countries have dealt with this in different ways. And, you know, what's interesting here in, in the U.S. is, you know, us living in a democracy and having such a sense of freedom there's huge division on people who are opposed to mask requirements, who are opposed to curfews. We have a curfew here. We can't be out past 10 o'clock. You know, we can't be in public without having a mask on. You know, many, many, many businesses have, unfortunately... Um, is this state or this is nationwide? This is state. This is yeah. state. So, but but I will be interested to see with the new administration in the White House if some of mm. this becomes federal. So, you know, you've got this this political divide yeah. on something that, you know, I wouldn't have anticipated being a political issue when mm. it first happened. People saying, you know, you can't do this, you can't require me, you can't take away my freedom. So it's interesting to see the division that's been created from that. Certainly the vaccine issue is a huge divide. 
but vaccines in general have been a huge divide even before this. But we had a choice whether we put it in place or we didn't, right? We did. Whereas that's being taken away in so many of our cases now. We we are people. Well, people have lost roles in companies Mm -hmm. because they it became compulsory that you had to have. Well, yeah, I mean, businesses do have the right here to require that you get be vaccinated, and Mm -hmm. you know, you got to think about some of these big corporations. They've got mass numbers of employees that they're going to be putting in in you know buildings together so you know i also am a huge proponent of an individual business's right to to enforce those sorts of things because i think that you have a choice and and i absolutely agree on that right we do have a choice but we don't have a choice because if you put that on as a company and I'm really allergic to things. Mm-hmm. Well, I think do I have, have a choice or do I not have a choice? That, that's the question. Have right? Medical exceptions. I mean, you know, but do we? And that's the, yeah. that's the thing, oh, I right? Think so I think so. But then the problem becomes when people take advantage of that. Someone uh, who doesn't yes. have yes. a true medical issue, or someone in their home with a true medical issue and just aren't personally comfortable with things and say, you know, I'm not comfortable coming to work because of X, or I'm not going to get the vaccine because I have a medical issue when in fact, they don't have a medical issue. So I think that our business community is dealing with that now as, you know, people are finding ways to work around things. They're finding ways to work around things. And, and a lot of this comes, and I think the root to this is, and I love the fact that we're having this conversation, is that it comes around awareness, right, mm-hmm. until we have these conversations. And, I mean, I think that's a great point. Yes, I totally agree with you that a company needs to have that right to protect their workers, right? Mm-hmm. And for them, that is the lens in which they say, hey, if we, we make it compulsory, then we know that we're protecting our workers. But I think what is, and this goes back to some of the other conversations that we've had on here around things like the division, because even within that community, we're not understanding or we're not having, or the fact that those that maybe need to have a voice aren't having a voice. And then the exceptions, when we have a voice, how do we make those exceptions? If we make it for you, who else gets that or doesn't? or this is the tough thing, right? Yeah. And so, it's a challenge to leadership. It's a challenge yeah, right? to leadership, right? So how, how do you, can we how, how do we do that better? How do we do that more effectively? Yeah. In a new approach. I think that there's a lot of learning. I think there's a lot of working through experience. I think, you know, we don't have best practices for anything like this. This is new territory for for so many. And I think that so many leaders are well-intentioned, but still, you know, either a policy isn't tight enough and, and someone is finding a workaround or it's not tight enough and, you know, therefore becomes ineffective. You know, you have to allow for exceptions for obviously medical issues and, and things of that nature. But, you know, is it, you know, you or someone in your household is autoimmune compromised, therefore that's your your exception. Or is it, you know, I want to see my grandma in three weeks for a holiday, you know, and these are things that people are, are, are saying. So you have to be very clear in 
you know, your policies and, and what does that look like? And uh, liability issue here too, right? Like what happens if someone comes in, uh, you know, your policies are loose, someone gets sick, you know, I yeah. had, to, I was very, very sick. It was awful. I wouldn't have wanted to share that with anyone, you know, and so how do you protect yourself and your company at the same time? Yeah. Um, there's a huge liability issue there too. And it's just very complicated. There's so, so much unknown and so much learning through experience right now that I don't know if there are right answers. I think that in a few mm, years, there's some clarity around that. But mm. I think it's a real challenge to leadership right now. There's a real, real challenge. I mean, look, we've got this huge workforce that for almost a year now, many of it, many of whom have been working from home because they yes. have had to work from home. I mean, these large corporations that have hundreds and thousands of people, they're working from home. They can't bring them in. Mm. Well, guess what? People like that. <laughs> and so what, what does that mean? you know, when you want to bring them back and, and your employees have different expectations and different wants. And, you know, how are you shifting and changing your company policies and your leadership in response to all of that? And, you know, there's just so, it's a very interesting time to be a leader in our world right now. Yeah. It is an interesting time. And, you know, you, you addressed it right at the beginning and you said, around the whole you know yes there's that truth in the fact that there's almost a fear if we speak up because we might say the wrong thing we might and you know show disrespect in places we might you know create an opportunity where it really opens up to us to vulnerable situations mm -hmm. and and I think, and, and like you're just saying there now, you know, it's a really tough time. What is interesting around that is it is a tough time. And all of us, if we come back to humanity and we say humans are stakeholders at the decision table, mm -hmm. then reality is we are all humans to start with and we go through hard times. This is a hard time that we know in unless it destroys the whole world, that we're going to get through it. Yeah. We are going to get through it. Yeah. What would you give or what are some strategies to do it as in building resilience during difficult times? Because I think that's, it's okay, so we've addressed, we realize that this is kind of like there's a lot of division, there's a lot of ugh in this. Mm. And I think this is where part of this new approach to leadership is us as leaders is not avoiding the fact that there's challenges, that we're not avoiding the fact that there's uncomfortable conversations. But I also know we're still human and if we are consumed with that or busy with that 24-7, no one survives that. We just don't. We yeah. don't. But we have to build a resilience in us as leaders. And I think this is part of that new approach is how do we how do we build and create mental toughness mm -hmm. that at times maybe we didn't access that capacity but we have to now yeah yeah 
Well, I think that, you know, I talk about this a lot, that I think that if I look just within my own family and the resilience that I have seen develop within my children, when you have an immense amount of change and you have so much that is out of your control, you build up this resilience that you don't even, I think, realize you're building. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, uh, our family had a very, very tough year last year. Yeah, not completely out of co- outside of COVID, which is in itself mm-hmm. very. Tough. You know, my children lost two grandparents mm-hmm. within five months. One uh, very short cancer journey, three months. The other complications from from heart surgery, and I will say a COVID related death because even though she didn't have COVID, she was isolated from us. So I, I consider Absolutely. a contribution yeah. to, her, to what happened to her. So, you know, my children dealt with that and at the same time dealt with COVID, dealt with being ripped out of school, being forced at home, being isolated from their friends, all of their extracurricular activities taken away, all this massive sense of loss that, you know, I believe while it really is difficult while you're going through it, Mm. builds into your psyche, this intense sense of resiliency, whether you like, whether you like it or not. Mm. So, you know, something that I would have thought would have been devastating or would break someone. Mm is handled much differently now because they've been put in this position. And I think humanity has dealt with this to some degree. Mm. You know, these things that are beyond your control that happened in your life build mental toughness. They build you up so that as difficult things are thrown your way in the future, you know how to deal with it. You know, I think of the holidays here, which is typically a time for, you know, family gatherings and, and seeing people and doing fun things. And, you know, we had none of that this year. We had none of it. We didn't, we're not able to get together over Thanksgiving because of COVID. We were at home. We were not able to get together with anyone because it thinks, or at Christmas rather, because of COVID. All of these extra things we normally would be doing, couldn't do it because of COVID. Couldn't go anywhere or do anything for New Year's because of COVID. Mm. You know, we had a trip plan, just our family to just, just take a break, get away from it all. Couldn't go because of COVID. So, you know, I think we're at the point now where, <laughs> you know, having that loss and disappointment as children, I hate that they're they're going through this. I wouldn't wish it upon them, but I think they will be better served for it. I think that they will be productive adults Mm. because of the toughness that they're building now. I think they will not have a sense of entitlement and expectation as they grow into professionals because of, in part, because of this situation. So, you know, I, I don't wish it upon anyone, but I think that the result will be beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And how are you going to be more resilient? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I could get more resilient than I am right now. Um. <laughs> what is, what is, even, okay, let's take a back step and go, what has helped you to get through? Yeah, I think that, you know, 
I think that I've always been pretty resilient, to be honest with you. But I think that my level of expectation has been put in check. I think that, you know, I try and I'm trying to let this bleed over into other parts of my life, you know, setting very realistic expectations for myself, for my company, for my clients. I think that this year has really given everyone a sense of what is really important. You know, put Mm -hmm. a value of importance on things that don't really mean anything. And Mm -hmm. I think that I am seeing that everywhere in my community, with my clients, with the elected officials that I'm working with, you know, at the end of the day, is this thing Mm. so good? Yeah. So good. So that's a big takeaway I've had from this past year, for sure. Mm. So important. I think, you know, we've had to learn to grieve in different ways. Mm -hmm. We've lost a loved one. It was definitely a, a challenge in that way. But it built this realization that connection is so important. Yes. And even though, and for me, that was really hard because, like, I don't get to hang with people like yourself. I hate it. To get that girl time, to get that that time where we know refuels yeah. us, right? Yeah. And that was really difficult because in my local area, I wasn't even in Sydney very much. And mm-hmm. so I didn't have those connections my connections were overseas mm-hmm. and that was the hardest thing and it's I've had to learn to go it's this is this is not forever mm-hmm. but for this season mm-hmm. how will I step that up what does that need to look like for me and how do I do that in a way that I still can stay connected yeah. I mean there are a couple of people and you know one of them Danielle she's like she goes, I don't do Zoom, I don't do phone, I don't do, and I'm like, I only do face to face. And I go, you're in Austin, Texas, and like, I can't meet with you. So, like, how do we connect? Let's figure this out, Let's right? Out. And so, so I think all of us are having to do these little shifts that are really different, and figuring mm-hmm. out what that looks like for each one of us. Yeah, and that's how we build. We just keep building on that. Looking at, and I think where you mentioned around expectations, I think there was this point in life where we could set very much before sort of the pandemic hit the world, mm-hmm. where we could set those expectations at a much bigger capacity and a much higher level of moving that on. Mm-hmm. And now we've had to bring that back and go, hey, what is that small shift that mm-hmm. we can do? And how do we do that? Well, yeah. if people want to, you know, connect with you and want to learn more about what you do, yeah. how do they do that best? Yeah. So my company website is lmkadvocacy.com. So you can check out information there. My contact information is there as well. Of course, I'm on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you can pretty much find me lots of different places. So happy to connect and always love making connections with like-minded people. And Mm. even if they aren't like-minded people, people who are willing to have a good conversation with one another. Yeah, I love that. And I always ask this on the decision table, and this is this question, which is, 
you know, we know that awareness is really, really important, but it's also ownership, you know, to bring an actual change that's going to be sustainable going forward. What is it you're taking from our conversation today? Because I know you've got to pop off. And yeah. and so I, I just want to ask you this question and mm-hmm. then I will tie up the decision table and, and I will bless and release you to go and do your report. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I apologize. I've got, I've got a call I need to jump on. But, you know, I really that, you know, just, just being very conscious and aware of the challenges that leaders of all types are having during in the season, like you said, that we're in, you know, it's not easy for, for anyone who is a leader in a community in a company in an organization in a government to have to pivot as much as we have over the past, you know, 10, 11, 12 months. So, you know, I think that I am just going to be very cognizant of that and be as aware as I can be when I am talking with people, when I am working with people, just that grace that you can provide yourself and that you can provide to other people and understanding that we're all dealing with really challenging times right now and to allow ourselves the opportunity to, you know, just be graceful, just understand that, you know, we're going to get through this together. We're going to stumble along the way. We're going to learn from those times when we stumble but we're going to get better as a result of it. We're going to build that resiliency. We're going to build that mental toughness. And once we do get to the other side, and we will get to the other side, that we'll all be better for it. Love that. All right. I know you've got to go. Thank you so much for being amazing on here. Much love Always, always a pleasure to have a conversation with you, my friend. Yes, yes, yes. I have to pop off. So you do. Ciao. Go for it. See ya. Oh, wow. This has been an amazing conversation with Laurie. I have, it's always a pleasure. You know, she's a great colleague, a great girlfriend of mine, an amazing person in my world. And I wanted to share with you a little conversation that we have and just how we have a conversation with each other. If you want to know more about what we're doing, because actually one of the little projects that we're working behind the scenes is we are putting a podcast together and so it's called the leaders movement podcast and the difficulty with laurie is she's a busy busy woman so we had the privilege of having her here and that's why i brought the decision table by the way forward as well and you know what's great about that is that it's hard to get a hold of her so we're putting these podcasts together when we can and when we get these moments and that will be released as soon as we've got enough in the pot. If there's some things that you have loved around today's conversation, I would love for you to share this because this is how we spread the awareness out there. And if there's something that has been brought up into this conversation today, I'd love to hear what that is. I'd love to hear your insights from our conversation today. What has it begun to to open up maybe more questions? Maybe you've got some questions for me, Laurie, or us as a collective, or you've got some you know questions that you'd love answered on the decision table. If you're listening, whether now or you know with a replay, then make sure that you put those questions in the comments, and we will follow up that. I will follow those up. I'll be looking out for them. And if you know someone who would be great to have on the decision table, then I want you to reach out and maybe that someone is you. 
You know, these are great leaders in their own sphere of influence, but they're really everyday people just like you and I. And I think that that's where we've got to bring that, you know, in the past there's been a a lot of hierarchy in leadership. And, you know, I often get asked, how do you get to be at some of the tables that you get to be at? And I go, I don't know. I just, I kind of don't even see it like that. I just go, well, I've been invited to this conversation and I just don't say no when it comes to it. And so because of that, I found myself at amazing tables with, you know, former presidents of nations and all sorts of amazing, 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 amazing people. But those amazing people are just humans like you and like I. And I think that we have got to stop thinking that a leader has to be this person and looking like this person and and they can only talk to a certain person because the only way we're going to create awareness of what is really needed and decisions that really truly need to be made at a decision table is by us having the willingness to see humanity as stakeholders at the decision table. And when I say humanity as stakeholders, it means for me where first we add value to the fact that you're a human who is at the table. Then you bring your distinctions, all those beautiful flavors that make up you, the uniqueness to you. And we're going to you know, use that as a lens on one of the decision table series coming up. And the other one is because I want to write a white paper around that particular topic. And the other topic that I talk about a lot and I know I want to use as a white paper as well, and that is around you having the capacity because, you know, we've talked about resilience on this decision table today. And one of the things that I've learned to be able to build resilience through challenging times, through those moments where it's not so easy and they are seasons, is by having the capacity to really exercise the muscle of human intelligence. And I believe there's a real need for us as humans to be able to really use the muscle of human intelligence. And there's so much around that that I'm looking forward to bringing some conversations to the decision table with that as a lens. And the muscle of human intelligence, human intelligence for me, and I always go back to me on how I'm looking at it and starting to look at it because you may think of human intelligence with a different perspective, a different lens, and that's the things that then widens maybe the focus of what I see it as, right? So just a basic way of me seeing what human intelligence is. If you think of the brain, we know with AI, right? We know that AI has data and it drives data so we can make better decisions. If you think of the brain, the brain is full of data. It's just human data. And that human data, if you use it wisely, if you know how to access it, can help us to make better decisions and, you know, wire to behaviors that are actually going to bring sustainable solutions to the table. So what if you could do that? What if you could actually wire or rewire, if you need to disrupt the pattern, 
to better ways in which our brain can function. And part of that is mental toughness. Part of that is really biohacking as well. I think that's an interesting conversation around it. Part of that is being physically healthy and having movement in your world and being and there's a whole conversation around that. There's so much we can bring into play when we look at human intelligence because imagine this. And we've talked about this today a lot around the fact that there's many leaders that aren't making good decisions. There's many systems that aren't right. There's things that need to be adapted to be flexible, to work and adapt and be effective or more effective as we are dealing with a forever changing world. And part of that, part of that is what if we had smarter humans making smarter decisions and being able to use what is inside of you to actually help and add value to to make a difference across the globe. And I think that that's so important and often forgotten because we are so conditioned to be fitting into a system or a thinking that may have worked, by the way, for a season. But maybe, maybe we have to actually, might even just be a little change to that. It might be huge change. It might be just even get rid of that. But the only way we can do that is if as humans, we can trust ourselves, we can listen to our gut, we are mindful about how we do things, we are able to refuel us as humans so that we have the capacity to give out of. There's so much. And that's what I can't wait for that series because I think there's so much to play with and conversations and If any of these series sound like something you would love to be on a conversation around that and it's pricked your curiosity, then make sure you reach out to me or to team and I'd love to have you on the decision table if if either humanity or stakeholders sounds like a topic you'd love to have a conversation around or if you'd love a conversation around using the muscle of human intelligence, then make sure you reach out because these are series that are going to come up on the decision table. We've really focused this last month. You know, we've still got a few days of the month left, so we're not finishing yet, but on using the lens of the need for a new approach. And, you know, there's been amazing conversations on here and, you know, there's a lot of consistent similarities of of what each one of these leaders have said is part of that need for a new approach. So I'm exciting to to re-listen to these conversations myself and really put the findings into a white paper, which I will share and make sure that you get to look at it. And if you want to make sure that you're on the list for that white paper, then, you know, PM me and give me your email and we will make sure you you get on a list. I haven't got a list, but I'll make sure I have it for you. And, you know, make sure that you are top of the list to get the white paper when it's when it comes out because it's been a great topic here. 
with the need for a new approach to leadership. I don't know what you've got from this and I would really love feedback, feedback and comments, feedback, message. Let me know what it is you're getting from the decision table, what you'd love to see on the decision table, some questions, like I said earlier, and so that we can really focus in on and and just to give you some excitement of what we're looking at for the decision table. So we are doing series, as I've said. So, you know, this one has been on the need for a new approach. I think the next one will be the muscle of human intelligence. I'm really looking forward to that. And then we'll do humanity as stakeholders at the decision table as the next series. If you've got some ideas of what you think would be a good series, let us know. This is this is not me telling us or it's just things that are very much a part of my world and I want us to start using those lenses, but I'm very, very happy to bring in other conversations as well. And so one of the things we will do is start having more conversations, something that we do at the Global Human Intelligence Forum, which is we have a lot of people having voices at the table. And so, you know, to finish up the series, we will have at the end of this month a conversation with more than just a, a another awesome human. We will have a few extra people on the decision table and we will have a conversation around that and finish out like that. So I'm looking forward to having those and we will do that at the end of every series that we do. It is time for a different conversation. It's time for us to create awareness and then to take ownership. So I know you, there's been amazing things, droplets of wisdom that were spoken about today on the decision table. What is it that you're going to own? What is it that you're going to go, hmm, I'm going to really either ponder on that, create curiosity, start asking more questions around that insight, or you've gone, hey, how can I be more resilient? What can that look like? How can I be more resilient to be able to give out of and out from so that I'm a better leader, maybe in whatever your sphere of influence is? There's so much you can take from today. I hope you've enjoyed this decision table just as much as I have. And I hope you enjoyed, you know, having a conversation with a great friend of mine as well. So until tomorrow, may today be filled with many, many amazing moments. And may you think differently, a little different from today's conversation. All right, I'm going to end this broadcast now. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change, and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.